Let's just settle our hearts. Let me open up with a quick, quick word of prayer, and then we'll dive into our Bible study. So, Lord, that's what we do now. We come before you, and we commit our Bible study to you, Lord. Um, we recognize that um, maybe today presented different challenges, and we are coming to you today in your house to just hear from you and to learn from you and to grow in our walks with you, Lord. So mature us and grow us. Um, reveal yourself to us in a special, deeper way, Lord. And so as we read your word, would you convict our hearts, Lord? Would you encourage our hearts? Would you continue to cultivate unity here within the group? Would you raise up new young adult small group leaders? Uh, Lord, do your work, Lord, as you uh, see fit. And we just present tonight to you. We present tonight to you and ask that you would do a work. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen and amen. Words matter. Words matter. Last week, the title of our message was Works Matter. We talked about how what you do and how you behave and how you act as a believer in Jesus Christ, your works, they will either properly reflect the Jesus you serve or they will do a disservice to the Jesus you serve and people will see the inconsistency between your actions and what you claim to believe. And that inconsistency will potentially discourage or drive them away from ever wanting Jesus because you're acting in a manner that is inconsistent with the Jesus that you claim to love and serve. So we talked about how works matter, how what you do matters. Tonight's Bible study is all about how words matter. How words in the life of a believer are important. And we all know this. I mean, we, we know this to be true, that words matter. Words are a powerful tool. Words are used in speeches to inspire. Words are used in business to persuade. Words are used in lyrics, in songs, and in poetry to engage your mind and uh, engage some kind of emotion out of you. Words uh, can either bring more clarity the more you use words, or words can bring more confusion to a certain situation. You know, one of the things that really has confused me over the past few months is when I think about the words to the nursery rhymes that I'm singing to my daughters. So I have, I've mentioned this before, I love just talking about my two daughters, Ava and Blair, Ava's three. Blair is one, and the nursery rhyme that Ava loves for me to sing to her before bedtime um, is Rockabye Baby. Now, the more that I think about the actual words that I am singing to her, the more I feel like an awful person. Rockabye Baby on the treetop. Now, we could just stop right there. Who is rocking their baby on the top of a tree? When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will go, baby, cradle and all. I mean, what kind of sick psycho wrote that nursery rhyme? Ava's like, sing Rockabye, baby. And I'm like singing it. For the first few months, I was like totally oblivious to the words I was singing. And then I was like, I felt like a serial killer. I was like, what, what in the world am I actually saying? What, what, what person in the world of nursery rhymes thought, you know, you know what's missing? You know what's missing in nursery rhymes? 
is a song about babies falling out of a tree. That's just what we really need that kind of a song. And the more I sang it, the more just the words hit me like, what am I singing to my daughter? This is unbelievable. Another uh, phrase, another uh, old adage, another rhyme that we've used in our society, it's been around as, uh, you know, as far as time goes, is the old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, that is just so untrue. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, we all know the weight of words, how words are important, how words matter. Words hurt. Words carry a lot of weight. Words have the potential to do a lot of good. Words have the potential to do a lot of damage. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like this probably applies to a lot of people. You could hear like a thousand compliments in a week. And all it takes is just the one nasty comment that someone spoke to you for you then to just dwell on that one comment. All the other thousand compliments, they just go out the window because my mind just usually tends to just dwell on the hurtful comment. And I think that's how a lot of our uh, minds operate. Like we, we take in all of the wonderful compliments, but then just that one hurtful comment and maybe, maybe the person didn't even mean anything by it, but we can just kind of, we let it fester, and we let it identify us, and we just think about it, and it, it's hurtful, because words matter, they stick to us. Words have weight. You know, I think uh, all of us could probably say at one time or another that we've been wounded by words. Now, before we just immediately label ourselves as the victims of our own story, I'm sure that all of us could also say that we've wounded others by our words. True? We wound people with what we say. And so I picked out this theme among plenty of other themes as I was diving in between these chapters, between chapter 3 and 5. There's a lot that's in here that James talks about, but one theme that just kept coming to mind were that words matter. And this is what James says. And, and even before chapter 3, he mentions this in James chapter 1, verse 26. He says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. In other words, what James is saying is, as believers in Jesus Christ, your words carry that much more weight because your words will either reflect Jesus in a proper manner, or your words will hinder people and will be a stumbling block from them wanting to know more about Jesus. So your words matter. Words are one of the primary ways that we communicate. Words are a utility that God has given us to express our ideas and express our opinions, express what we're, what's going on up here in our thought life, to share truth. And I'm not just talking about the words that we verbally speak, but I'm also talking about the words that we type and text. The social media realm of communication is where words still carry such a great amount of weight because we are communicating to people. So words matter. We all know this to be true. Therefore, we as believers in Jesus Christ, it's important that we make sure that we're utilizing the gift 
of our tongue, the gift of words, that we're properly utilizing it to glorify and honor the Lord. Amen? So I have three principles for for tonight that we're going to go through. And the very first principle is, number one, words create. Words create. And if you can, open your Bibles and read with me in James chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1 together. This is what James says about our words and how words create. He says, My brethren, my brothers, my sisters, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Instead, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So pause with me there. James basically compares the tongue to three different things. He compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth, to a rudder in a large ship, and to a spark that has the potential to set a whole forest on fire. And when he talks about, he compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder in a large ship, what he's basically saying there is that small things can direct the course of larger items. Small things have the potential to direct the course of large items. Now, when he compares the tongue to a spark that sets a forest on fire, what he's basically saying there is that small things have the potential to destroy large items. So your words, the words that you speak, can do two things. They can either direct or can destroy. They can direct or destroy. The tongue is a wonderful gift from the Lord. Now, it is possible to take what God has given us as gifts and to misuse God's gifts for selfish, evil purposes. I mean, we know this to be true, not even with the tongue, but with other things in life. I mean, sex, for example, is the perfect example. God has given mankind sex. Sex is something that God has created. But sex, if misused, can bring great destruction. God's design and intention for sex was to be experienced between the covenant relationship of a husband and a wife. That's what the Bible tells us. Between a man and a woman in that covenant relationship of marriage. Now, when... Sex, God's gift to a husband and wife, is misused and is used outside of marriage. It can do a lot of damage, a lot of emotional damage, a lot of physical damage. Now, I don't want to disparage or condemn anyone who has had sex outside of marriage. There is grace when we come to the Lord and now we realize, God, this is, I am using this gift that you have given me outside of your intention and design. I repent of it. Repent of it. Go to the Lord. Confess it as sin. Don't live in that way anymore. And God's grace will completely forgive you and cover over that sin. 
But we can take God's gifts and misuse them for purposes that were not God's initial design for that gift to be used and experienced. The same thing is with fire. Fire is a very good thing. Fire can warm a whole house. But as James says here, fire can also bring destruction to whole forests. I mean, over the last few months in the summertime, I mean, remember the, the, Austra- the, for- the forest fires in Australia and the forest fires in California. Just one spark. So James says your words can direct for good or your words can destroy and be misused for destructive purposes. In 1871, it was October the 8th, 1871, there was a farm, and uh, the, the landowner, her name was Mrs. O'Leary, and Mrs. O'Leary had a cow, and the cow knocked over a lantern in the barn. That started the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It left over 100,000 people homeless. It killed over 300 people. It burned over 17,000 buildings down and did more than $40 million of damage, 1871, because of a cow kicking over a lantern. Small things have the great potential to bring larger destruction if misused. More recently, in 1986, the space shuttle, the Challenger, NASA had this whole thing, and the Challenger, it completely blew up And later they identified the reason, and it was because these small rubber uh, rings were not tight enough. They They were too loose. They were incorrectly placed. These small rubber rings on the space shuttle, the Challenger, blew up because of small items. And so we know this to be true from practical life and from Scripture here. James says that, Words have impact. Words have the ability to create, to create life, to direct, and to be used properly, or to destroy and to create complete havoc. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God using words to create life. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, and God said, let there be light. God created the universe by his words. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, let there be light, and there was light. God's words are powerful. God's words create. Now, we, our words don't have the ability to create in that sense. God created the heavens and the earth, created, it's the Hebrew ex nihilo, and it means to create something out of nothing. We don't have the ability to do that. But we can create, we can use already created things to create other things, and with our words, we can Create in the sense that we have our words have the creative properties to either cut someone down or lift someone up to either direct or destroy. Proverbs chapter 18 or Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. A wise person uses words to lift people up. Proverbs 15 1 says, about our words being creative, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Your words have the ability to create an environment for peace, 
to manifest or for anger to manifest. You know, this verse needs to... I wish that this verse were like a pop-up notification every time you opened up social media. You know, like every time you went on your phone and you like went to the Instagram app or the Facebook app or whatever and you went to click that app, like right when you open up the Instagram app, the pop-up notification was this verse. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I am positive that this wouldn't take care of everything, but it would do a lot of damage control, right? If we just had a pop-up notification with this verse every time we tried to open up social media on our phones. Because how many of you know that it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it? And this is what social media does not provide for us. Or like texting, you can't express tone over text. And I learned that it's not always about what you say, but it's about how you say. I learned that very quickly in marriage. That's what marriage does. It's not always about what you say, it's about how you say it. I can use, with Morgan, my wife, I could use the same word, but use it in two different tones, and it will create a whole nother meaning. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like if Morgan asked me, like, Austin, would you be able to do the dishes tonight? Yeah. Now, that was really cheesy, but that yeah was like excitement. Like, yeah, I love you. I love serving you. I love doing things for you. I'll do anything for you, babe. Yeah, I'll do the dishes. Now, I could use that same word in a completely different tone, and it would communicate a completely different message. Austin, would you be able to do the dishes for me? (sighs) Yeah. Now, that word communicated... I'm going to do it, but I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate doing it. This thing is a burden. And what that communicates is, you're a burden to me. And we can use the same word, but tone changes everything. So words matter. What you say matters. How you say, ma- how you say it matters. And so all of this, James is communicating the point that your words carry weight and they can be used for great purposes to bring life. It can also create uh, havoc and destruction in your life as well. Words create. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Your words have the ability to create an environment for peace. Your words create. Your words are powerful. Now, before we go on any further, this truth about how our words have great power and our words have great ability to create, this truth has also gone to unhealthy and very unbiblical extremes in the church and in the Christian circles. This is where unbiblical, uh, unbiblical movements, unhealthy movements have crept into the church like the Word of Faith movement, like the Name It, Claim It movement, which basically just says, if um, I believe something hard enough, I can uh, create with my words God's will into existence. If I just say it and I just speak over it and I just speak over my life, I can bring God's will into existence with my words. My words have the power to create blessing in my life and healing in my life and prosperity in my life and health and wealth in my life. Okay, that is unbiblical. It's an unbiblical movement. I have to be careful about that. 
So my spirit gets a check when I see different stuff on social media or different stuff in the Christian circles that's like, just speak it, speak it into existence. If you speak it hard enough and speak it loud enough and you just say it over and over again, it will become your reality. Okay, this isn't biblical. This is not what James is saying and this is not what I'm talking about when I say that our words have the ability to create and our words have uh, power and, and carry great weight. I'm not saying that we're trying to get God in agreement with our words. But what I am saying is that we need to get our words in agreement with God. Amen? We need to get our words in agreement with God. That God has given us a tool called the tongue that can be used to reflect Him when we use words wisely, or our words can be used as a stumbling block to other people when we use them wickedly. Our words create. Our words have great impact. Secondly, James talks about here how, number two, our words are a window. Our words are a window. And I'm going to read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. And you don't have to turn there with me, but just listen to what Jesus says here. Our words are a window. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33... Jesus says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Listen, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, They will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What Jesus is saying there is that our words, what we speak, are a window to see what is in here. That our words, what we say, are a window that shows ourselves and shows other people what is actually in our hearts. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever comes out of your mouth, it's actually a window to see what's inside your heart. So if you have a word problem, like if you have a problem with gossip, and listen, before you just say that, Pastor Ash, you got, a, you got it perfectly, you must just get this down pat, and I, I'm, I'm always preaching to myself. I never have any of this down perfectly. The walk of a Christian with Jesus Christ is not, will not be perfection till we go to be with the Lord, but it's a matter of progression, progressing with the Lord, growing in these areas. So I need to grow in these areas. But if you have a word problem, like if you have a problem with gossip, you like to gossip about other people, um, you like to talk about other people behind their back, you like to um, lie, you have a problem, maybe you're, you struggle with pride and you have a problem boasting, maybe you have a problem with language and cussing and using foul language. You don't have a word problem, you have a heart problem. And you need to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to reveal what's in your heart. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we need to be really careful about not just what's coming out of here, but it's showing people what's actually in our hearts. And we need to repent of it. And James, he touches on this in James chapter 3, verse 9. He says, With our tongue we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. 
We have been made in the similitude, or the NLT says the image. We've been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, this should not be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. He's saying, listen, out of the mouth, you, you gossip about people, but then you come here to church at young adults and you're worshiping and you're singing praises to the Lord. Out of your mouth, you were cussing earlier today and then you come to young adults and you're singing praises to the Lord. He says, brothers, sisters, this should not be. This shouldn't be. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And this shouldn't be. There should be some consistency in your love for the Lord and how you talk to others and what you say to other people and what, how you speak. He also says in uh, verse 14 of chapter 3, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. So, again, he talks about the heart being the source of our words. In verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, Do not speak evil of one another, brothers and sisters. Do not speak evil. It's the Greek word katatilia, and it's kata meaning down, and laleo meaning to speak. Two words that mean down and to speak. It's when you talk down to one, to one another, when you speak down to one another. He says this shouldn't be. In verse 16 of chapter 4, he says, But you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. In verse 9 of chapter 5, he says, don't grumble against one another. Don't complain against one another. So he talks about how our words, it starts from here, how we have a heart problem and a heart issue, and we need to go to the Lord, and we just need to repent of it. And, and, and something that you, we need to put into daily practice in our prayer time is to go to the Lord and, yes, take gauge of what's actually coming out of our mouths during the day, but go to the Lord in that quiet time and just ask the Lord, Lord, just check my heart and examine me. You know, I think of that verse in, uh, in, in the Psalms where David says, just examine my heart when I'm on my bed. Just examine my heart, Lord, and see what is in me and reveal it to me so that I might confess it to you. So words are a window into your heart. And then finally, number three, words must be guarded. Words must be guarded. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his whole soul from trouble. Whoever guards his mouth and whoever guards his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. You know, our culture is always just about like, listen, bro, I, I am who I am. I am who I am. Just deal with it. That's what our culture says. And we really want transparency. And transparency can be a really good thing. Because we want to be honest and we want to be transparent with one another. We want to be direct with one another. Transparency can be a healthy thing, but not everything that you think up here needs to come out of here. And that kind of transparency can be a deadly weapon. And the Bible says in Proverbs that we need to guard our tongue and to guard our mouths. And the culture just says, listen, this is who I am. Just deal with it. There's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency says, listen, this is just who I am. Just deal with it. Vulnerability says, this is who I am. Can you help me? There's a difference between when, when, I, when, when James and when the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, when he talks about guarding our mouths, there's a difference between guarding our words and sugarcoating our words. I don't mean sugarcoating words. 
Because sugarcoating words can play into deceit and manipulation. When we just sugarcoat our words, we sugarcoat the truth because we don't want to, co- we don't want to insult people or, or, or come across insensitive toward people. And so our culture is all about just sugarcoating words and sugarcoating the truth so that we can just be friends and be buddies and all get along. But sugarcoating the truth is manipulative because you just want people to hear what you know they want to hear and they never hear the truth. And part of loving other people is sharing direct truth with them. So when the writer of Proverbs talks about guarding your mouth and guarding your tongue, it doesn't mean sugarcoating your tongue and sugarcoating your words so that everyone just can feel like whatever they're doing is fine and everyone just can get along. But guarding your tongue means I'm going to speak the truth Not compromise on the truth, but I'm going to do it and speak it in a loving way, in a tactful way. This was Jesus in the New Testament where he never compromised on truth. He was not soft on sin. But many times when he spoke the truth, he always led with grace. I think of the woman caught in adultery. He didn't compromise on truth there. He says, go and sin no more. But he leads with grace. He says, where are your condemners? And the woman says, nowhere, they've left. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Grace, now go and sin no more. Truth. So guarding your words and sugarcoating your words are two different things. We need to not be a society and a culture that just sugarcoats the truth. The world needs truth. Because truth, the Bible says, sets free. But there's a gracious way to be direct with people when we speak the truth. Guard your words. And this is what some of what James says here in James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 12, he says, But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. We as believers need to be people of our word. This is extremely important. When we as believers in Jesus Christ, when we keep our word, when we let our yes be yes and our no be no, when we are people of our word, that will go to great lengths to show people the God that we serve. We live in a culture and a society where a lot of words are thrown out there, a lot of dialogue happens, a lot of opinions, but so few people actually back up what they say. And we need to be people of our word. When we say something... We first need to kind of put that guard over our mouths, be careful to say things. He says, listen, don't, don't swear by heaven. You shouldn't need to swear by heaven or, heaven or earth. Like, I promise I'm going to do this. People should just know you by, hey, if that guy says yes, if that girl says yes, they're going to follow through. If they say no, then I know it to be true as well. But if they say yes, if they give me their word, they're going to be people of their word. And no greater thing, one of the many Ways that we can properly reflect the Jesus we serve, James says, is when we're people of our word. It's one of the best ways to reflect Jesus, to keep our word, to be faithful to our promises, and to be men and women who stand by their word and speak honestly. Your words matter, and they carry a great measure of impact for the kingdom. And so there was a lot... As we dove into James, this could have been like a 
12-part series. I kept it to four. And we'll start our relationship series next week. I'm excited about that. But basically, just kind of summarize and to bring this to a close, James says, consider it joy when you face trials in chapter one. I know that many of you are probably here and you're going through different difficulties or different challenges. And it's easy just to say, it's going to be okay. But even better, James says, whenever you face various trials and difficulties of many kinds, consider it pure joy. Because the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience, when it's done its full work, will grow to be mature and complete and you won't be lacking anything. And so if you're going through difficulty, see it as an opportunity to press into the Lord, to lean into Jesus, to grow in your walk with him. Consider it an opportunity to exercise great joy, knowing that this is a temporary life that we live, but our true citizenship is in heaven with a God who loves us, where there will be no more tears and it will be fullness of joy in his presence. Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds on earth. We talked about how enduring through temptation is important in our walks in maturing in the Lord and enduring temptation. We talked in week two about being careful not to show favoritism because God is a God who died for all people and all are welcome into the family of God if they turn from their sin and trust in Jesus Christ. So we need to be people who love other people and who share Christ with other people and to be careful not to show favoritism. Last week we talked about letting your works reflect the Jesus you serve and then tonight let the words you speak properly reflect the Jesus you serve. Let your works and let your words properly reflect the Jesus you serve. Amen? Let's pray together. And Lord, we thank you for the book of James. There is so much truth, so little time to completely dive in to the book. We could have spent a whole year in the book, Lord. And so I pray that you would, as we go home, that we would continually read that book and that you would bring other things to our hearts and our minds that we didn't talk about through this series. And specifically regarding the weight of our words, Lord, I pray that we would be careful to, to speak, Lord, quick to listen, slow to speak. I pray that we would guard our words, that we would realize the weight of our words, that our words have the ability to direct or to destroy. I pray that everything we think, everything that we want to say, we would first run it by you and that you would just put a check in our spirit whenever we're about to say something that does not glorify you. It's so easy for me, Lord, as I'm sure it's very easy for many of us just to say what is, you know, whatever we're thinking. And sometimes that's okay and sometimes it can get us into trouble. And my goal for myself and my goal for this group, for this community, is that we would weigh our words and that We would choose our words wisely so that whatever we say, we would honor and glorify you, Lord. That's the goal. That's the point of the book of James. Whatever we do, how we treat other people, 
how we act and behave in practical everyday life, what we say, everything that we do would glorify and honor you. So we need your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need your help to do this. It's easier said than done, Lord, to go out and just to glorify you with what we say and with what we do. But I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, with the love that is in this room for one another, that we would do that, Lord, that we would go out into the world, that we would make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we would recognize that our words can either reflect you and bring people to you, or our words can be a hindrance to people and our words can be a stumbling block to other people. So help us, Lord, to weigh our words and help our words to glorify and honor you, Lord. Within my own heart, Lord, within the heart of the individual listening right now, wherever there is gossip, Lord, wherever there is slander, wherever there is talking down to other people, wherever there's foul language that's not consistent with your word, wherever there's just cussing. Maybe, we, maybe some of us struggle with that, Lord. I just pray that now that you would just convict our hearts, Lord, so that we could just repent of it, so that we could turn from it, so that we could give our words to you and we could just turn from it, Lord, and and I just pray that we would open up our hearts, Lord, to receive that conviction tonight. And that you would help us to turn from it and help us to repent. And help us now to walk with a different perspective about our words. How we say it and what, what we say. So that we might just honor you and glorify you wherever we go, Lord. At home with family. At work. We ask that you would help us, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, how it is timeless and how it is true. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people together said, amen.